Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Sandy Césaire with the Bel Air Investment Group. And she flew in from West Palm Beach to share how she did uh, wholesale 70 plus mobile homes without buyer's list uh, during COVID. If this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trank, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Uh, one question I do get a lot is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? Uh, the information on this podcast alone really is enough for you to become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. All you need to do is just take consistent action and you will become one. Uh, when you hear a nugget, type in the comment section. After the show, identify your single biggest takeaway and just focus on that for the next seven days. If you get value out of the show, please tag a friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Sandy to answer. You ready? Yes, I am. All right, so first question is what got you into real estate? Okay, so basically I wanted to make money, okay? I've always had this whole entrepreneur thing going on since I was a child, really. Like I was the kid selling candy at school, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but basically around 18 years old, um, I moved to Tampa and I used to watch all the, you know, the late night infomercials. So, okay, that got me pretty interested. So as soon as I moved to Tampa, I signed up for the real estate class, mm -hmm. right? But what happened was, first of all, I was like so confused. I was like, I didn't know what the heck real the guy was talking like, about. Like real estate classes, like the traditional real estate school. The traditional, yes, to get my real estate license, okay. okay? And so, but I didn't have enough money, right? Like I went on the payment plan, I think it was like $250 or 245 So at the last day, I did not have the $45, so that did not allow me to take the um, test at all. So I was oh, like, wow. yeah, exactly. So I couldn't I couldn't do it. So I went back two years later, I think I was like 20 at the time, like right before I was um, 21. This time I had saved the money, paid them up front. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, here's your money, took the class. I did, um, you know, did very well studied, passed the test. I like to brag about passing the test on the first time. Because <laughs> you. you know, a lot of people don't break. A lot of people so, know. Yeah, yeah, so you know, passed it. So now, as um, when I when I started, when I got my license, I went to work for this um, real estate company and they had good trainings and everything, right? But I had a friend who was doing mortgages, okay? So, and he used to tell me, you know, Sandy, it's better on this side. You, you come on, come work for this company. We make more money than the commissions you're making. I mean, he bugged me so much that I was like, fine. What year was this? Um, this was 2002. So I got oh. my license. Yeah, yeah, I got okay. my license in um, June of 2002. Mm -hmm. And then so fast forward to December 2002. And he had been bugging me like the entire time to like come do mortgages, come do mortgages, right? So then I went to work for their offices. And I mean, at first, like really like, it took me a while to get it, okay? Like mm -hmm. literally it took me a while to get it. Like, um, you know, like I remember, you know, all the um, account executive, like they would come with their loan products. And you know, you have to have a certain credit score to qualify, you know, depending on whatever the loan is and then um so you know we'd go by the middle score right for the longest time like i literally thought the middle score was the score in the middle <laughs> so but anyways but i ended up doing really good because i'm a hard worker right so i would stay like all day just calling like different lenders and seeing who have 
pretty much good products and also too like you know tip, like basically there were a lot of lenders capital investors at like let's say 10 properties right mm -hmm. so i used to stay all night just calling lenders calling lenders figuring out who can do what who can do um like basically the hard loans like i found lenders that would do unlimited properties were you right? wholesaling no uh, i had loans? i had even no i hadn't started wholesaling i was just a loan officer but you were a loan officer calling <laughs> banks usually like, i thought I was, that was like a wholesaler within the mortgages that would do that yeah so no so i was i would be doing the loans but now what i'll do is i'll call basically they all have basically account um executive right mm -hmm. people that work for them they go to the different um, mortgage offices to sell their loan products so the loan officers can basically you know if you have choices of let's say five different lenders that offer basically they can finance your your person right at the end of the day, they want to get the business. Right. You know what I mean? So I would basically call them to see who's offering the best with basically the minimal requirement to do certain certain type of loans, right? In the best rate, you know, down payments, just getting all of their criterias basically. So now I know this bank, this um, this lender can do this type of loan. They're only requiring 10% down or they're requiring 5% down. Um, and then you only have, need to have basically this amount of credit score. So basically, I would just be gathering all the information, as much information as possible. Um, so now whenever, you know, I was either helping out a client or looking for something for myself, I know, oh, this lender can do this. This lender can go over this. And what happened was I ended up finding a, a, a good amount of lenders that would do like maybe a lower credit score. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or that would do maybe like a. Uh, three percent down or allow the seller to hold like a, a second where these other lenders um wouldn't do that you right. know what i mean like so basically products. yeah so basically i'll just basically gather all as much information as possible from as many different lenders as possible so now i know who can do what yeah. you know what i mean and what happened in that process is i got pretty good at finding out the the ones that would do basically the creative stuff that other lenders wouldn't do and what happened with that is then people started bringing me all their hard to do deals you know what i mean mm -hmm. so because i know who could do them so everybody would be bringing me all their hard to do deals but in the process of that i was like okay you know one of the hardest thing for people especially because i wasn't even thinking wholesaling at the time right i was thinking investing but yeah. not wholesaling right so so what happened was doing that i was like well one of the hardest thing to do is finding the money so now i kind of like figured out how to find the money and at the same time i'm going through investors meetings right so I'm okay. going yeah so I'm going to investors meeting basically just learning as much as I can just learning as like much Rias? as I can yes like the Rias right and then at the investor meeting I ended up meeting um, this one guy and he was a he was an investor he was a handyman like he would be you know rehabbing the houses so um, he had 10 properties to sell, right? Mm -hmm. So I bought 10 properties from him. Oh, you went right? to Rio and you bought. Yes, I bought, I, I met, yes, I you know, network, meeting people. So I bought 10 properties, no money down because I got, I was able to get the 80% and, you know, he could finance the rest Seller of it, right? Yeah. Exactly, right? Exactly. And, you know, and I ended up, you know, using different family members and things like that because I was really young, you know what I mean? And my credit sucked at the time. However, but like, you know, um, partnering and using 
family members. You know, I got the first 10 and he introduced me to other investors, bought 10 more. Like, you know, I'm just like the going all in type, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm going to swim to figure it out. <laughs> I don't really know how to swim in real life, though, but I'm yeah. just going to figure it out. Of course. So, so, so the mortgage in that sense kind of helped me, right? Because um, now once I met him, you know, I could put a deal together. So that's how I basically literally got started. And in, in, um, I used those properties as Section 8 rentals at the time. And the um, rates were pretty, like, they were stupid low. And you're talking about like 2003 at this time, 2003, 2004, you know, like the, like my um, payments would be like $400, you know what I mean? And yeah. then I can get 900 to 1200 Section 8, you know? So it was like basically pretty good, you know, pretty good income, sure. right? Yeah, so, and at the same time, at the same time, um, well, I, as I was doing that, I was also rehabbing. I started rehabbing. Hey, why not, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> why not? So, and, and Joey, and his name is Joey, right? Joey actually um, was really helpful because he taught me a lot about that. And he used to basically rehab the properties for me, you know, and then if we had to hire contractors, we would hire the contractors. But he took me through all that process, and I I learned a lot, you know what I mean? I learned a lot. So that's literally how my real estate career, you know, got started. So, and, but as you learn about mm -hmm. the, the real estate investment, side mm -hmm. you continue doing the mortgages yes yes I continue I continue doing the mortgages I think for about it was like somewhere between five to seven years so maybe to like 2007 ish so until the crash yes yeah so I continued yeah I continued doing um because I enjoy doing mortgages I, I like the challenge mm -hmm. you know what I mean so I that's like and I literally like I still have my real estate license I keep it active but I don't like doing the realtor thing. Of course not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't have the patience for it. You know what yeah. I mean? I just don't have, like I have some friends that are very good at, you know what I mean? They're like great realtors, but I don't, it's not my thing. You well, know what hard. I mean? I mean, the fact that you were out here for a week. Yeah. Right? It's kind of hard to do those things. Yeah. You're actively working with clients. Okay, so. Yeah. So you, you, you did this up until the crash. Anything, like what changed then after that? So, so the crash was basically so, where you pivoted? Well, so what happened, yeah, so what happened was, I mean, during that time, I maybe have, I wholesale like one deal, mm -hmm. but it was not because I was trying to be a wholesaler, it just happened to be the circumstance, right? Right. Um, so what happened was, so now I had like made tons of money, right? I made a lot of money and I had all these properties. And so I was, I used to go to those Dave Lindahl, you know, apartment complex, you know, seminars and things like that. And my goal was, okay, you know, you want to get rid of all these um, single family properties and get into an apartment complex. So I started selling everything I had before the crash. Oh, that was fortunate. <laughs> that was, right? Yeah, so I mean, like some of my friends was like, well, how did you know? I mean, I didn't know anything. I just started, you know, I started selling them off, started selling them off. You know, I, you know, had accumulated all of this cash and I was gonna use that to get the apartment complex. But in the process of that, right, you know, there's a longer due diligence process. So a, a friend of mine, and um, he happened to be a a hard money lender right so he was like okay you know why don't you let me use some of that money to land out you'll get your um return i know right so so the mistakes the mistakes in that came after after like i had literally so i lost about like five properties but the majority of them i had already like sold mm -hmm. okay so so now i'm lending money here 
money there. So all the cash I had, basically, I lend them out. But here's the kicker, right? So I did not get anything as collateral to protect myself. So at the end of the day, market crash, all of these people now who had all the cash that I had, you know, lent them, you know, I'm like, okay, so now where's my money? You know, a bank, you borrow money from a bank, they're going to take your house. Mm where's you know where's my where's my collateral when am I gonna take back there is nothing but the thing about that is it's just it was a huge lesson for me because I had not take taking the chance and I was just trusting you know people to do right by me now I don't think they meant any harm but you know they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions right mm -hmm. so now I did not take the time to make sure I had the paperwork drawn out to make sure that they actually you know signed you know, documents that would basically protect me, protect my money. So I didn't do any, I, I didn't do any of that. So what happened was I ended up losing it all anyways. What, uh, how much did you lose doing that? Over $800,000 cash, cash money. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was a bummer because I mean, on several, like on, on several different levels, like, you know, my plan was, you know, to help my mom. You know what I mean? And I come from a very poor family and I don't like to talk about, well, it's not that I don't like, I don't mind talking about it, but you know, I don't wanna mess up my makeup with tears coming out. So hopefully <laughs> no tears come out, right? But like, you know, I had planned on paying off my mom's um, house and I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and do this investment. Then I'll do, then I'll do that. Let it ride. Right, exactly. So, you know, none of that happened. And, you know, I was really depressed. I got really depressed for a of while. Course. Yeah, but you know, you know, I, sometimes I think, well, at least at that time, you know, I thought I was a little toughy, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, but then, you know, like, yeah, it, it really broke me down to my core, you know what I mean? I was like, man, I'm, you know, I, I've been working hard. And what, you know, what hurt me the most was that, you know, the planet I had to help my people and, you know, that couldn't have, that, that didn't happen. And then I remember one day, you know, I called my mom and I was like, you know, I'm depressed. And this is this is the stuff. Okay. Anyway, so I called my I called my mom. I was like, I'm depressed. And so she got everybody, like the entire family, on the phone, and they just started praying. You know, and that like broke me because I was like, man, you know, you know what I mean? It's like my family, and I felt like I had let them down. I felt like I had let them down, but. They were like, you know what, Cindy, it's just money, it's just stuff. You did it before, you can do it again. Like they were doing doing all the encouraging stuff. Right. You know? Okay, so my makeup messed up. Your makeup's good. <laughs> all right. Sam, you might want to bring but some yeah. cleaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, yeah, I mean that always like bring bring tears to my eyes because that was like, you know, my people, like we come from struggle. We're, you know, we're from Haiti, you know what I mean? And my parents, like they they came here before I did. They left me and my sister, um, you know, behind with my aunt, and they were here for three years before they could even send back for us, right? And so um, they came here on a visa in the 80s, and they worked in the cornfield, the sugarcane field, and and they were, you know, they're packing like boxes of corns for 10 cents a box, you know what I mean? In a full day, a full day of work is like $16, $20, you know what I mean? Like working hours and hours and, and a full day really is basically like a 16 hour day. You yeah. know what I mean? Like way above and beyond. So it's like they work so hard. And then, you know, when they, you know, I don't even know how they did it. I don't even know how they did it, but they got um, money to bring me and my sister here. You know, there was this whole organization, um, 
where basically you take on somebody else's identity, right? They find somebody in America who's legal here, who has either a green card or was born here, and they kind of pair you with that person. You know, you you know, they, you have to somewhat look like them, right? Because you got to get through the whole embassy situation, and then they bring you to this house, um, and you should see it's like a bunch of kids like on on a dirt floor, right? And you you have to stay there until you have learned everything about that person. You got to learn their name. You got to learn their background, what school they go to. Basically, it's like you're learning an entire, you know, other identity so that when you get through that embassy, you do not mess up because if you do, somebody's getting arrested, right? Now, I didn't know all of this because I was just a kid. I was mm-hmm. like, I was nine. I didn't know, but, you know, visually, I put it all together, right? So, but yeah, so, so me and my sister, and I just, you know what? I just found out. My mom just told me this Thanksgiving, I wasn't even supposed to be here. That was by accident, okay? So the plan was, it was my sister because she's older. So, you know, it's in, in the Haitian community, it's like the older one, you know what, they're gonna be in charge, you're gonna get them here first, and mm. then, you know. Figure out the rest. Right, figure out the rest. So the plan apparently was, it's my sister that was supposed to be here, but I ended up, now my sister and I, we got split into two different houses. I think it's because the other um, people had somebody that looked like her, and so we got split up at, at the time where my uncle dropped us off. So I ended up coming, um, I think they I, about two to three weeks it took for me to, to get here in the country. But when I got here, it was like June of 1990, right? So when I got here, my mom, she's a migrant worker, so she was away, like they go away for like a, a month or two months, you know, just doing migrant work. So, and you know, this is before like the cell phones were. Right. Yeah, so somebody told her, and she just, she literally just told me this this Thanksgiving. Somebody told her that, oh, your daughter's here. And then, and then she was like, oh, great. She's thinking it's my sister, right? And then she says she come. She said, I come in, it's you. <laughs> I'm like, well, damn. Yeah. <laughs> but because she had only she only had money for one of us, right? She had been raising the money. She had money for one of us. So I'm I'm there, and my sister's still in the, uh, at the other house. So she's like, well, what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Because that was not the plan. The plan was to get the oldest one here first, and then we go back for you, right? So, I mean, it's just literally by me miracles after miracles that I'm even here yeah. you know what I mean because that wasn't even the plan so your parents or your mom mm-hmm. your family prayed for you mm-hmm. and kind of got you out of your funk well that didn't really get me out of the funk like um initially it made me feel even worse because oh. <laughs> it was like I mean it's like I appreciate it right it was great it's just what made me feel bad about that is because I feel like man you know I was I felt like a disappointment you know what I mean? But they're like, oh, no. You know what I mean? I, I felt like it's just, I felt like I, you know, I let them down. So, you know, it was it was almost like the fact that they could be so gracious and kind. It, it made me feel even worse. It was almost like, man, just tell me off, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because sometimes that motivates me to just, okay, yeah, I'll show you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, yeah. So how did you turn things around? So, basically, you know... After after a good while, maybe it was six to nine months, I don't even think nine months, it was just like, okay, you know, you have to do something. You know what I mean? You have to do something. You can't just allow yourself to remain in this funk. Like, that's not you. Like, I had, like, I gave myself so many pep talks, right? It was a lot of pep talks, listening to motivational stuff, a lot of prayer, you know, lots and lots of prayer. 
And, you know, it just got to the point. I was like, you know, what, what you doing? You know what I mean? What you doing? This is not you. You know what I mean? Like, you got to, like, shake it off. You got to do what you got to do. Get out there. Do what you know how to do, you know, best. Like, get yourself together. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, like this this isn't you, you know? And then, and you know, and I had some really good friends, too. Like, you know, and they knew the situations. And, you know, they know me from before. You know, some, you know, it's important to have some good people in your life. I had For some sure. good friends, like, encouraging me. You know what I mean? It's like, Well, it's like, and I think it's important because a lot of us, you know, like, it seems, a lot of this business seems great, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of it seems great. But there are days... Oh. Or it's really awful. Oh yeah, and for having sure. The, having the right support and the right people around you. Yeah, um, it's very important. Okay, so then, what was the first step? I mean, did you just from from there? Did you jump in the wholesaling? What, yeah. What so, did that transpire? All right. So what I did was I did you know I was like okay all right get yourself together. Mm-hmm. All right, get yourself together, sister, and, you know, get out there. So I got in the car, you know, I started driving around, and then there was a for sale sign. All right, all right. So, you know, I pulled over, I called them, and then, of course, one of the things I always do is, I, you know, I ask them, your property's still available. I said, do you have anything else anything else for sale? And he said, I have four. I said, hallelujah. <laughs> like, I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, hallelujah. So I, you know, put that property on the contract, and within a couple of weeks, sold them, made 20 grand. All of the properties. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I went knocking on some doors that I already knew. Like, some, by doors, I mean. 20K total. Total, yes. Twenty okay. K total for four. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so then I went to um you know, I you know, I still knew some of the investors, you know, that's always mine. So I went to um one that was right down the street. Now <laughs> I was in St. Pete at this time, by the way, because um I had ended up losing my my personal home. Mm. I had end up, yeah, I ended up losing my personal home. So I ended up having to move to this <laughs> hood apartment, right? And I grew up in the hood, don't get me wrong, but I wasn't trying to go back, okay? So I ended up in St. Pete in this um, two-story, it was like an upstairs apartment. I mean, it was a mess. But anyways, in the hood, and, and I'll tell you how hood it is. When I ended up moving out, I had to move out because I went home for Thanksgiving, came back, somebody had broke in. Yeah, so that if if that tells you where mm. I was, right? So so basically, um, anyways, back to the story. So I knew an investor um, that was basically right down the street. I was like, "Here, you coming with me?" I literally dragged them, um, and I don't like to drive, right? So I was like, "Come on, you driving?" I took him to the property. You know, he bought one. Then his um, brother bought the other one, and then the other two. Um, one was a Bennett sign, and one was Craigslist. You know, uh, so yeah. When was this? Um, so this was 2000 in, I think this was maybe 2010-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was a really interesting time. There was mm-hmm. um, a lot less competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but buyers are harder to come by as well. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like now you got a deal, you got a deal. Yeah. Uh, but back then, it's like you had to have a really good deal. So yeah, they had yeah, and they were good and they were good deals. But what I did, so when I took I took that money and then I started, um, cause now now everybody's doing the online auctions and things like that. But then I but I started focusing on getting deals from the online auctions. And I just I used the money for the earnest money deposits. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they ask they want their deposit. You know what I mean? So so then I just started building back up. Like, like that you know what I mean I would just be on that on the auction site just all day I'm like watching that watching it right so was it the same Rhea group that you were at before that helped you like was it those connections like how did you 
go from you know you basically transition industries right mm-hmm. went from being a loan officer creative loan officer but a loan officer mm-hmm. to just wholesaling i mean like was it uh those connections you created the rios that helped you or like how did you bounce back yeah so so like for example that one investor actually was kind of like there are certain people in the network i guess so like Joey, like the investor, I said, I literally went and got his name, like, you coming with me? Like, Joey also does rehabs for him. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was like a group, there's this group of investors, yeah, a lot of them from the RIA connection um, and others from people just meeting through the whole, through the group, to the yeah. circle, basically. And so at this time, you were mostly finding properties through auction? Yeah, so now, so after the... um after I did those four deals, getting back on my feet and everything, right? So I just literally, um, was it Hubzoo? I think it was Hubzoo, Hubzoo right? was one of the big ones. Yeah. So anyways, I would just sit there and just bid on properties. You know, I'm bidding. I bid all day, all night. I'm just bidding and bidding and bidding. And then I would just, until I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hated Hubzoo. Yeah. Why? Uh, it was just always difficult to use, and as an REO agent, right, you get these mm-hmm. offers like that's a lowball offer. It's like, yeah, got it. And so you, are, as an investor, you're bidding, and it's yes. fun. Right? Yeah. Me as an agent at that time, I would have to go and look at those offers and take them and type mm-hmm. them in mm-hmm. to the. Oh. It's like here's an offer for fifty thousand. I know we're listed at ninety thousand. Here's an <laughs> offer for fifty thousand. I have to do that all day. That's annoying. It was very irritating <laughs> on the agent side for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you basically rebuilt using uh, so bidding uh, on auction sites. Yeah, building um, bidding on auction sites, and then to then I started getting referrals mm-hmm. again. You know, um, one of the things is like, cause you know, I guess there's this thing about me that you know attracts the hard deal sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So like people they'll bring me the deals that they cannot get done, and I'll get them done, which is the problem because they keep bringing me the hard stuff that they can't do. Oh, you're supposed to get paid more on those. Are you getting paid more on those? <laughs> Well, see, here's the thing. It's, the numbers still have to work. It still have to make sense. So if they're like bringing me the deal, we're typically splitting it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I like, am good at maximizing it, though. So, but it but, should be a larger spread if it's harder. It's not. Yeah. You're telling me that's not the case. Well, not. It's not always the case. It still has to make sense. Mm-hmm. But it's not always. It's not always the case. Yeah. And the thing with me is, you know. I don't know if I'm like obsessive like that or obsessed like that. It's just like once I touch, once I touch the deal and I feel like I can do it, I'm not gonna let it go until I do it. Mm-hmm. So it, then it doesn't actually always become about the money. It's just just I gotta get this done. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and so, that's and that's a good quality. Is, yeah. um I'm just asking because I got another you know one of my mentors, Dave Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only does deals that were like he's wholesaling for like six figures. Yeah. You know. So, but he does deals that no one else can do. Yeah. Um. Okay, so then that was, you know, in 2010, like what were some of the other significant events as far as building your business? Because there's a lot of, mm-hmm. like, you don't just get here, right? Like what were some of the other major yeah. events? I mean, there were, man, there, there there was still some ups and downs. First of I mean, just on both personal and business. And then I, I went through this struggle too when I first got in there. It was like, man, do I still want to be in this business? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I went through that, through the mental challenge of trying to figure out, okay, you know, it's like, there's, there was this thing about people say, well, you know, you're good at it, you can do it. But I'm like, yeah, but I don't, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it was just like, um, you know, it had to come a time where, Okay, I had to kind of like refocus my mind and um and what this means for me. So I literally um you know 
you know, just a few years ago, I was like, you know, I don't just want this to be just about the money anymore. You know what I mean? Money is the money is the money. Okay. So mm. it's like, I don't want it. I want it to mean something more. So I literally started praying about, you know what? I want this to, to have more meaning, you know, to, to mean something. I don't just want to get up just for another check or for another deal. So, you know, so one of the things I started to do was just like, um, out of every deal, I give away 10%, whether it's like through family members who need it, like just so like, just, just making it like, doing this there's a reason there's a purpose for me to do this it's not mm -hmm. just a selfish reason and you know once i started doing that just like refocusing reframing the the reason why i'm doing this then it started to be become more fulfilling for me you Got know it. what i mean so so yeah so just a lot of changes um occurring with that and also too then then once I figured out, okay, you know what, you know, now there's a purpose behind this. Now let's organize this, you know, in a way that makes sense that you can grow it. And, you know, and I'm like so excited now because, you know, um, I, I'm like one of these people that's like scattered brain, you know what I mean? So I have learned that I gotta stay focused, yeah. you know, I get ideas and things. So so I learned that I literally, I, I have to focus. And, and especially now too, um, wanting to grow everything and bring Gary in, oh my gosh. So they have, you know. You brought Gary in? Yes, yeah. Oh, I, I need just this, a couple of months ago, like September was the first oh, meeting. Yeah, September was like the first meeting and we just had our two days um yeah i think it was like around thanksgiving right yeah yeah i think it was around thanksgiving but yeah, it just I came mean, out for us it was very humbling yeah oh my god yes yeah yeah <laughs> well that's good that's but a good yeah. thing yeah it is it's a great thing i'm really excited man because just bringing some clarity because that's not my strength you know like those stuff are, are not my strength so let's talk about uh before we talk about covid like mm -hmm. mobile homes when did you transition into mobile homes so a couple of years ago so um Here's the thing, like we used to do all the other property types, right? Now, I was in Tampa initially, okay? So I was in Tampa for like basically 20 years outside of the the window that I had moved to St. Pete, mm -hmm. but same area, same difference, right? So, and you know, Tampa is one of those areas that's like saturated, right? Yes, there's still deals, but I don't want to be fighting 20, 30 people for the same deal. Tampa you know? is, uh, before Phoenix became the guru capital of the world, mm -hmm. it was Tampa. Yeah. I think we took it from them. <laughs> yeah, I believe you now. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I can't think of as many people, you know. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so it was, it was tough to compete in Tampa. Well, yeah, so, you know... Yeah, because now I would do like the marketing pieces and stuff like that. But then, you know, we got to fight so many people for the same deal. And then I'm just always thinking of ways of, okay, so how do we do things differently, right? And initially, initially, I, um, there was a time where I, I was marketing straight towards like condos, like because condos for investors, unless it's a hell of a deal, they're not messing with it because then a lot of them they want that association fee that's just eating out of mm. their profit oh, yeah. yeah so but unless it's a, just a great deal that makes sense they're staying away so i still for a while i, just, I was just doing condos 55 55 plus and all you know what i mean so like seriously very like, niche yes very niche. yeah yeah it is so um but you know it, there are some frustrations with that too dealing with the hoas and then you have oh, to break sure. it down like oh my gosh but um and longer closes because of the hoa something right so you know what so then um a couple of years ago and we used to get mobile home leads all the time but 
I was in the of the mindset of who who wants to do a mobile home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because here's the thing too, especially like some of these investors, a lot of them want block home. They, you know, there's a few that I have found from being in St. Pete that you know are more open to um, frame homes, but. There are still a lot of them don't even want to touch a frame home. So now I'm thinking, people don't even want to touch a frame home. What are they going to do with a mobile home? Yeah. So I used to just basically just ignore those leads. And we did then too. You, you too? Yeah. yeah. And so one day I was, you know, we got a lead and I was like, you know what? Let's let's give it a try. Let's give it a try. And we did. And we made $10,000. And I was like, What? <laughs> we leave some money on the table so I, so immediately I did a mailer that was all mobile homes mm-hmm. all mobile homes and we got a bunch of deals from it and I was like okay that's what we're gonna do and yeah. that's that's literally how that got started it is not because that I was some mobile home expert and know anything about a mobile home you know it was literally like let's give this a try and then and then after I did the mailer man like we would get people that call us there that's it man we never got an offer from anyone to buy our property i was yeah. like you don't say no competition yeah yeah exactly i can say like our our largest fees are multifamily properties mm-hmm. but then right behind that is mobile homes yes like, manufactured homes is mm-hmm. way better than single family yes. as far as assignment fees go oh yes yeah yes 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 yeah like way better mm-hmm. okay so you decided to go there when did you decide to go do it virtually so well, I was already working virtually at the time, anyways. Got right it. now, it wasn't always virtual because when I first started in the business, I was you know used to like going to see the property, you know checking everything out, bringing my contractor out, you mm. know what I mean, and then you know I say I gotta the house gotta talk to me, I gotta feel the energy, you know what I mean? <laughs> if it ain't talking to me, we you know <laughs> we we ain't got nothing going on here. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so so I was in that mind mindset right and then years later my husband and then some other friends there's like yo you don't really need to be going to all of these properties all the time like mm-hmm. you're really wasting your time I was like no uh-uh, I, I don't think so but eventually you know I was like okay you know what I need to be open-minded to that right and then so we started doing everything virtually from there and I was like okay this this works this works so I was and that was way before you know we got into the mobile home space Mm-hmm. Okay, so you went virtually, and then you started doing mobile homes. Mm-hmm. At which point was it a national thing? When did you say? Because well, you're, so, you're, you're doing Florida. Yeah, primarily. we're doing Florida because I had initially, initially I started just, um, you know, basically was I was in Tampa, right? So initially it was just like Hillsborough County, Pinellas, Polk, you know, the surrounding areas, right? So when I when like when we started doing mobile homes, we were had only been doing stuff in the surrounding areas, but now it's like, okay, hmm, there's only so many mobile homes. You know right. what I mean? So it's like, okay, we gotta spread our wings. Okay. So then I started um just marketing through the like by counties through the entire state and then basically seeing which one works better for us you know what i mean so yeah so we just started like with the the entire state of florida and then now because remember it's only been a couple of years doing the mobile homes right so now this year we've added on some more states because we've you know we got more people that can handle more leads now so we have um arizona you know we've closed some already 
here yeah. and got somewhere in the contract. We've done Texas, um, North Carolina, you know, and we're adding on and we're adding on more. Right. But yeah. And then, you know, and I'm and I'm finding out, man, like <laughs> every state got their own challenges, their own thing. Like we it's funny because like we're learning so much as we go because every area got their own little thing. Yeah. I didn't even know like I know it's the desert and all here, right? I didn't know that there were some properties that have no well they get water delivered every month. Really? You didn't know that either? I didn't know that. Oh my god, so we gotta do it right <laughs> now. Okay, we gotta do it right now. And then, and 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 um so we had a buyer go out, right? And the buyer was like, There is no well. We call oh, the yeah, county. There's no well and there's no uh yeah. There's no well and there's no sewer. Yeah. Yeah, there's no. It has septic, but it doesn't have well, right? Yeah. It's like there's no well, no like it's not, not city water or anything. Like literally, there's no water. Okay, mm-hmm. like none. All right. So and then the buyer's like, yeah, there's nothing. Then this other buyer said, yeah, I live on that street. Yeah, we don't do. We get water delivered. I'm like, what? And then and it's so I um Heather, she works with me, right? She's like my right hand, helps me with everything. So I'm like Heather, you know, can you call the county and kind of like verify this thing, right? And she did, and she's like, yeah. No, that's no well. So then, um, they're like, okay, call the owner. How is that possible? Like, how did they do yeah. this? So she goes, yeah, like they have this. I guess there's a service where they just haul water. But I'm like, how do they get all that to work? That I'm still trying to figure out. But yeah. somehow they get it, and that's how they run everything. So obviously, each area has their own different challenges. Yeah. Um, what about? So you expanded nationally. That was before the COVID mm-hmm. crisis. Well, we started. Yeah, we no 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 not before like right after right after COVID. So COVID then we starts started. and then you decided to go nationwide. You yeah, I know right. Pivot. Yeah, what did I tell you? Then I said I'd like to jump in, yeah. <laughs> like figure it out. But yeah, yeah. Okay, so because um, one of the things to talk about is like, man, you know, you built you sold side of them during you know this whole pandemic mm-hmm. from scratch. Yeah. So how was that journey? Well, I mean, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was hard or anything like that or, or difficult. It was just, you know, um, just basically doing what we do. You know what I mean? Just just working at it, working the leads, just doing what we do. Now, when the when the COVID did start, I did not know initially how it was going to affect us. I didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know. Yeah, so, and I mean, because, I mean, there are, there's a percentage of the properties we sell that's vacant, and then there's... A percentage too that's occupied I was more concerned about the occupied ones right. you know because it's like if we can't show it it's hard to sell you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, but we eventually you know found some people that would kind of work with us like you know they'll you know leave the house and then let like one person walk in at a time like we just had to restructure some things around um, so it turned out a lot better than I had you know expected because I expected the worst you know because I mean nobody knew what the heck was going to happen with this thing right, right. so so you're direct mailing everybody mm-hmm. is that correct yes all right who are you mailing so I'm mailing absentee owners. I'm mailing um, owner occupants. Now I start. I typically start off every area though first with absentee because they want to increase my chances. Now um, I do get some motivated seller lists from Eric. I don't know if you know Eric Torrente. Like he mm-hmm. sells like the you know inherited lists, divorce lists, all that. It's like 
Anyways, but anyway, so I do mail mail to those. However, too, again, there's only so many of them, right? So you're right. not gonna get a huge list once you start breaking it down like that. Well, once you're consistent, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, but but so like absentee owners, um, I do a lot. Sometimes I do, I, I, you know, I'll do any age. Um, however, a lot of elderly, like from 60 and over, or even 50 and over, sometimes because a lot of these mobile homes, right? Um, especially like in Florida. Um, they're second homes. Some of them, they're like the vacation homes, mm -hmm. you know, or second homes. And even some are just, um, even if it's like a rental property um, for the people. Now, what we have found is, you know, especially like with the older people who have all these mobile homes, sometimes they don't visit them for years. They're just like, look, we're just tired. We don't even go there anymore. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, like seriously, and sometimes, and some of them just, they leave the property there just rotting away. You know, like, I don't even know what it looks like anymore. Like, so, seriously. So you're direct mailing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, how are you finding the buyers? So the buyers, once we get a property in the contract, like Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, honestly, like literally, Craigslist that's like, works. Craigslist still works. Got it. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Craigslist still works. Facebook Marketplace works a ton. Um, we boost our ads to, you know, place it in front of more eyes. But um, a lot of the buyers come from there. And here's the thing, like the buyers though are typically owner occupants, like they're end users. The majority of our buyers, I mean, maybe like 10% of our buyers are investors. The majority of them are literally end users. And what I've noticed is that a lot of them, you know, they're like basically hardworking people who's been saving up their cash and they wanna buy their home and they wanna buy like a fixer upper because they've just saved enough to buy that fixer upper to move in it while they fix it up. You know what I mean? So there's a so lot of- you know of, who your buyer is. Yeah. So right now, because you hear, um, typically if you look at manufacturing, in my experience, right, a lot of them are investors, they're mm -hmm. trying to get a higher cap rate. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, and, and buyers, are you um, doing creative financing, seller financing, or is everyone's getting loans? Like how is that, how are you doing so, that? So everybody's basically, they're just cash buyers. I've owner financed one of them just a couple of months ago for like, I bought it cash and owner financed it out to the basically like, I bought it for like 14 and she put like 15, no not 15, 11,500 down, mm -hmm. paid the closing costs, but I did it and I sold it to her at $35,000. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, and then I'm going to be doing more of that, you know what I mean? But the right. but there's the opportunity to even buy them on her finance. It's it's there too. Right. Yeah. So for the people who are listening cuz a lot of people they don't necessarily pick the, the type of properties, mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, we mostly do single family. Yeah. So what is your average, do you know what your average fee was when you were doing single family? Um, Single family average fee. It's been a while ago. You don't yeah, really it's, do it's, it's been a while. Okay, yeah. well what's your average fee now in, my, in, in, in mobile home? Yeah, average fee is, average fee is $10,000 now. Mm -hmm. um, we want to raise it to 15,000, however, but like, you know, we get so many deals working like 17,000, 20,000, 34,000 was the highest um, so far. Um, but yeah, like we have so many that's 17 and you know, 14, like they, like the fees are really good. Yeah, because you know? we did a lot of 20s uh, yeah. when we were doing them last year. Uh, we went really hard on them last year mm -hmm. and um, I think we found all of them, so, because it kind of stopped. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyone that wants to transition to this, their fees may be higher. Mm -hmm. if they go to mobile homes on land versus 
uh, single family? I think so. Okay, so yeah, I think so. So you're in multiple states. Uh, I'm curious how how do the fees vary between all the different states? Well. I don't think it does because like, you know, like Texas, we're still pulling the 17,000s here. We did 17, 14, 11, and then we have a couple that we're working on and those are like 12s, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I, I don't think it does really. I think it really boils down to how you negotiate the deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it does. Got it. Okay, so. At least from the ones that I've been doing so far now, we'll see when I start going out even more. Where else are you gonna go? Everywhere there's a mobile home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, if you hit, if you hit the Carolinas, you have Florida, mm-hmm. and you got here. I mean, I think those are some of the, some of the biggest spots. Yeah, Oregon. There's some. There's some more out there. Up in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Well, so we talked about how your how your business is different. Um, how did we kind of talk about your transition so maybe this isn't really relevant answer but like how did COVID impact your business i guess it didn't in a sense it's just you know it was just at the beginning we didn't know what was going to happen but like we've um yeah we stayed pretty busy we stayed pretty busy um consistently for the most part you know what i mean i mean there was some like there was like a couple of months that was like uh you know what i mean because but I don't, I don't even think that, was, that had anything to do with COVID. You know what I mean? So having, um, well, I guess looking at the rest of the year, right? Because we're, we're coming up at the end of the year. I mean, what, are we, what is your number is going to look like? By the end of the year, I hope to reach at least 80. We'll be at 73 by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we should be at at least 80. You know, my goal was to exceed that. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now next year, once we've um, been able to implement everything that, you know, we're getting from Gary and, you know, next year, we should be able to double that. Yeah. Yeah. You think so? God willing. I mean, yeah. we're definitely going to try. What, what was your business like in 19? At 19? In 2019. 2019. So 2019, we did, 2019, we did less than that. We did about 50-something deals. But I also had a baby in 2019. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, so so I had a baby. You know, I've, been having, I've been popping out babies for the last few years. Um, but, yeah, so. So 2019 did 60 mm-hmm. transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, you went na- nationwide. So I'm guessing that most of your transactions are still in Florida then. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And then everything is wholesale? Yeah, everything is wholesale. Yeah. Eventually now we want to add back in because I do you know, I used to rehab, right? So, you know, I actually have a love for that. You know, so eventually eventually I wanna get back into that but then i have also learned like with my personality i need the focus <laughs> i need the focus mm-hmm. you know otherwise i'll be chasing way too many rabbits so yeah yeah and what is your what does your company look like today so right now we have you know heather she helps me with everything acquisitions i'm involved in acquisitions as well um i'm actually like involved in too many things mm-hmm. but like you know heather helps me with acquisitions and um now, after meeting with Gary, he's um, he's wanting us to move her to disposition and bring in bring on somebody else for um, acquisitions. And then we have um, three lead managers. We have um, a transaction coordinator that um, I needed one bad. Actually, we just brought her on because I was yeah. doing too much. Yeah. So so she's um, she has been really helpful so far. And then we have an admin. 
So Got it's it. really small. So we like about seven people, and then once we bring on like another acquisition, we'll probably be at eight. How much are you spending a month on direct mail? A direct mail, eighty five hundred to ten grand. Got it. Yeah. And then, uh, so Orlando Herrera wants to know: um, Are you using the same contract to wholesale mobile homes that you do on single family homes? Yes, because so so here's the thing: so like the their own land. They're all on land, right? The the ones that I've been doing. So basically, the land is still real property. Now, if the mobile home is retired, um, then it's considered real property, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I typically I just use the the same contracts, and I might have you know different like clauses in there for whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see, guys. If you guys have any questions? Please please post them in here. One of the guys says that uh, if someone took eight hundred thousand of his money, he'd be missing kneecaps. <laughs> Um, okay, so you're you said you're using Eric Torrente. Yeah, yeah, Eric Torrente. Um, I think it's like flip this real estate list or dot com or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's everywhere. But yeah, he does. He he can get you like motivated any motivated list that you need. Okay, and then using that, you're only doing direct mail. You're not cold calling. You're not so, texting. So yeah, so we have done some cold calling. Um, not much. I had a uh, like three people doing cold calling. I got rid of all of them. Um. Yeah. So I, I got rid of all of them. Now we're gonna re- we're gonna add that back on, but be a little bit more structured and have eyes on these people more. So I figured, okay, let's just get rid of that, and then we can revisit that later on. Got but it. yeah, but like the majority of my deals are um are direct mail. I use Listability. I get my you know my list from Listability. Um, and then when I was you know needed keep tracing, then they actually added that on as a service as well. And also Eric does that too, and he gets me a pretty good result for that. So got it. Mm-hmm. And then um, Sam's here with you. How, yes. how involved is Sam in the business? Oh, I fired my husband. <laughs> fired him? Wow, poor guy. So he has his own company. He has a digital marketing um, company that helps, I guess, you know, um, coaches that's, that have, like, high-end products. So he market their stuff online, Facebook ads. And I'm not the best as at pitching his stuff at all yeah. i'm sorry hubby but yeah so um but he has his own company and like so in, in my business you know i'm always bouncing things this is he before he started his digital marketing company he was actually in real estate for like 10 years oh yeah so he knows the business so i can bounce ideas um and then you know go to him and whenever i have some crazy idea and ask him his thoughts so he's pretty helpful with that and he's just like a supporter you know oh, that's good well yeah like, like like i said earlier like everyone need support yeah uh nate brown wants to know have you mo- have you multiple have you wholesaled any mobile homes that are located in the park not yet okay not yet and so that sounds like this you're going to yes talk about that yeah yeah i do plan on do i i definitely plan on doing that however again um i have to kind of like keep myself focused mm-hmm. yeah because trust me like this has been the plan for like six months now right like literally literally six months um, but it's like I have so much going on I have to stay focused and then let's get this first get me out of that before I jump into that however that is the major plan that's mm-hmm. that's like on top of the list got it how do you plan on wholesaling those I don't know we'll see I haven't figured that out yet because it's easy to get the sellers yeah. yeah it is I have I'm gonna figure it out though when I do I will tell you <laughs> all right all yeah right. yeah because we get those and we just throw them away yeah um, all right and then Sam's asking how many mailers are you sending out and how many deals under contract do you get per mailing? So we sent out, so all year, this year we, we've literally sent out about 220,000 mailers. 
you know so and out of those let me see every month i think the average is about 200 200 300 leads or something like that that we get um yeah that's about the average for that yeah mm -hmm. got it um and then orlando wants to know you know what, what are some of the biggest challenges uh, when you compare wholesaling mobile home to mo wholesaling a single family? Hmm. Some of the biggest challenges from wholesaling mobile homes to single family. Well, I would say, I would say, okay, so so one of the biggest thing is now when the, you know, especially like when the trailer, when the mobile home is not retired, you know, it's, it has its own separate title and then the land, you know, is also separate. Now we have, we use a third party um, company that mm -hmm. does the mobile home title search. Yeah, one of the biggest thing with that is the title, some, when it's a mess, that thing is a mess, it okay? Is a mess. Oh my gosh, it is like literally so, so like that is probably the biggest thing is just when it's a mess, it's a mess. And then now there comes two. The good thing is the good th if the land if the land is clear and it's just the mobile home part, that's the mess. Okay, we don't worry because if the land, you know, that's the value of the land. Yeah, because because now you can you know the title company can still close it. It's just that now the buyer would have to sign some form of a whole harmless mm -hmm. that say, hey, look, you know, we're not responsible. You know what you're getting. Yeah, it's and personal then, property. It is, and then you know what? And then surprisingly enough, buyers still will still buy a messy trailer title or mm -hmm. a trailer with a messy title. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it. Cash, one of the biggest, so. yeah, definitely cash. Yeah, because yeah. that's I can tell you last year we had on the board like 140,000 in a month. Yeah, we were like stoked, you know, we were beyond excited. We mm -hmm. had some big, some big ones in there, uh, 70, you know, for one of those deals. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, the 140,000 once we ran into this mess, yeah, turned into 40,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I had some of those, yeah. <laughs> I had some of those, but like we were, you know, like you counting the what the eggs before it hatched. Oh, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's the that's that is the big challenge though, you'll run across, but like. Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, like there's still hope to do the deal. Sometimes you just got to find a buyer that's just willing to take it on. And, you know, because you might have already a buyer for it and they don't want it. That's fine. You know, and, and then the situation, too, you know, sometimes we use that to re renegotiate a better deal and say, look, this is messy. Like nobody's going to buy this at that price. You know what I mean? So and then we just continue working on it and get a, a different buyer. Uh, so Kevin Saunders wants to know, are, how are you finding cash buyers mobile homes? Are you doing anything different besides Facebook Marketplace? No, really. That's that, like honestly, that mm -hmm. stuff works. Now, here's what I will suggest, though, because at the end of the day, sometimes you don't have control over what Facebook does, right? Nope, so, you do not. so you you gotta have a backup plan. You gotta be ready, man. Like you know, you gotta have other. You know, do do have other options because sometimes, you know, you know, Facebook they'll shut you down for no reason. You know, so well, there's that, a reason. Just me and I agree with it. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So they'll shut you down. So I mean, we have a team of people, and we have different accounts in case we need to use them. However, you know, you just don't want to have all your egg in that basket and just counting on that to go well without a hitch. But just in case it does have you know, another plan, like one of the things we're doing, we're um, it's not ready yet, but we we're creating our own website platform with the apps, and then we just now we can do run ads and bring people to us you know mm. what i mean so just that way we're ready for anything you know yeah. what is your biggest struggle right now my biggest struggle right now 
Hmm. Well, my biggest one of my biggest struggle right now is like you know the the stuff that I'm basically had to go you know to Gary for is just hmm. yeah I need some organization because this head right here that thing can be chaotic sometimes right yeah, <laughs> yeah so just kind of like getting clarity on everything and just then now implementing because I'm I'm you know. I'm a creative person, a creative thinker, and I got a lot in my head. And sometimes, like, I tend to complicate stuff more than it has to be, which my husband, he helps with that a lot because to him, it's, like, so simple and straight to the point. You know what right. I mean? It's like, I'm like, it's not that simple. It's like, no, really, it is that simple. But you know what I mean? So, so like, I will complicate some things that doesn't need to be as complicated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so that has created some of those struggles <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean well, we, so. a lot of times the biggest bottleneck mm -hmm. is us and that was actually what gary made very clear like i thought mm -hmm. i was not the bottleneck but yeah i still am <laughs> uh, so uh kevin wants to know follow-up question is how are you comping mobile homes well so now that's a tricky one sometimes because sometimes there are no comps Sometimes there are no cups. However, though, you know, I will look at, you know, I will look at, you know, what everything's selling for, for sure. I'll compare it. You know, land size is big, too, especially like in some areas, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll compare all of that, all the, you know, apples to apples type scenario. But sometimes we can always do that. So I just basically look at the big picture. You know, I look at the big picture from, you know, in some areas like Louisiana, though, says value, like that thing, they don't help nothing at all. But some areas I can look at the assess value get some ideas right, you know what i mean yes and then i'll you know if there are comps i will look at the the different comps um you know i check zillow but you know what you know about zillow so but i, I look at it i see what's going there what kind of transaction is happening if those are available um and then sometimes you know if that's available also like i will look at you know say so there's no cup and i'm looking at okay what did this person buy it for yeah. you know how long ago? I, I look at everything you know I just look at as much information as possible now when it comes to like um, offers now one of the thing is um, sometimes because I'm selling to end user really sometimes because of that my offer can be more but you know of course I'm taking into consideration conditions and things like that but my offer typically can be more now if there if it's an area that has a lot of activity if there's a lot of sales activity you know they let me know look people are buying in that area so you know and if the sellers basically kind of like a hard ass on that one I'm just I'm like okay well I don't have to beat them down on the price because at least if I get like maybe if I get it at like twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars less, I can still make a ten G's on there, and then the buyers still feel like they're getting a good deal because their mindset is not—they're not thinking like an investor. Or I have to be at fifty percent or six or seventy percent. Right. You know what I mean? They're just thinking, oh yeah, I save some money, I get a good deal, and it's you know if retail, let's say if, re if the property is going retail for like seventy, and they're getting it for like sixty-two. They feel like they're getting a deal. Getting a lot a of deal. them. So, uh, Robbins wants to know: Do you think the mobile home industry will be more popular with the affordable home crisis that we're experiencing? I do, for sure. Yeah, I do. Um, Diane says that he uh, she sees that you have children. Yes. How do you balance raising young kids and being in real estate? Ooh, girl. <laughs> Oh, that is the million dollar question. It's hard. Okay, like so it's hard. And my kids, they're I got a five year old, 
a four-year-old, just turned four, and then the youngest is, um, so he'll be 18 months at the end of this month, mm-hmm. and they're all bossy. They all think they control me, right? So it's really hard, but now, one of the reasons why, like I used to be in Tampa, we moved to South Florida, is to be close to my mom, free babysitters, all right? So mom's there, she's retired, she can help, and then we had to get, we have a nanny that helps us out. She's a huge help, because otherwise, it's just, they they don't care, you know? They want their time when they want their time. They don't care you on the call, they're gonna be banging on the door, you know they don't they, they, don't, they, care. they, they don't care so it's, yeah. it's just it's it is it's it's not easy it's not easy i have a lot of mummy guilt you know um but it's, how it's, do you deal with the mummy guilt oh my gosh i i don't, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. you know I, it's just like you know um sometimes i do the stuff that you're not supposed to do like i try to compensate with a gift or something every now and then just mm. to, you know you ain't supposed to do that though you know what i mean but no, yeah not. It's, it's not it's not the right way to compensate for that but it's just it's just really hard but the thing is though it's like you know i am though in in the process of making the right move so that i don't have to take as much time away got it uh z wants to know who is this gary guy <laughs> Gary is the boss. He's the man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was Gary Harper with yes, the sharper, with sharper. Yeah. yeah. So he came in, uh, beat us up pretty good too. But yeah. he, we're gonna have a killer, yeah. killer twenty twenty one with him here. Yes, for sure. Uh, I see Pace Moore being here. I saw Pace. Um, you should definitely talk to him. He's. Uh, I think you could probably yeah. increase your cash flow even further. Oh really? Talking to him. All right. Uh, let's see what else is here. Can you describe the cash flow from finding the lead to closing now that you are virtual? Oh, workflow, sorry. Can you describe the workflow from the lead to closing now that you are virtual? Yeah, so basically, you know, so when we send out our mailers, the the leads calls, they come in, right? Now, for, we have actually been having our leads go to a recorded voicemail. Next year, we're gonna change it to everybody answers live, Mm -hmm. okay? But that's been, you know, coming into a recorded voicemail and then, you know, the people that said, hey, you know, I wanna sell, you know, they get called first, right? So once we lock up that property on the contract, we get all the information from the sellers. Property is then locked up on the contract. Once property is locked up on the contract, then we send um, somebody local there to go take pictures. We actually, we don't have them just take pictures though. We have them do videos inside, outside, everything. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, we have them do videos. We have them take pictures and then, right, uh, sh- uh, basically a short report some of them you know depending on how lazy they are you can know when, which one are lazy or not some will try to give you a paragraph but if they follow an instruction they're telling us you know exterior like what are you observing what are you seeing you know what's going on what's going on with everything like interior and then by rooms kitchen bath like give us details tell us what you see what's going on what's mm-hmm. happening you know so aside from the pictures the videos we want a detailed report of what's going on and then if if the owner mentioned anything interesting we should know you put that in there yeah. you know what i mean if the tenant mentioned in- anything interesting we should know you put that in there mm-hmm. you notice anything interesting with the neighborhood <laughs> you put that in there like literally like they have to follow that format and then they send us everything and then they kind of give us a general idea of what we have you know in our hands got and it. then so once we have that information then we put it up for sale got it got it all right. Uh, let's see what else there. People are recognizing uh, that uh, uh, mommy guilt is real. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so I don't know how I'm saying this right. Is it Thoyo? Uh, but uh, he wants to know if you're getting lists, your data from Eric Torrente, should he not rely on PropStream for mobile homes? Should we not? You know what? Um, I have PropStream actually, but I haven't actually learned how to use it the right way. 
so I haven't used it so I can't really answer that for you um, honestly but like I, I just haven't figured it out you know yeah. the right way but yeah but Eric is pretty good so um, you know definitely 100% I recommend him and um, you know I what's use, his company name? I think it's flip this real estate list.com if I'm it's you know really yeah I think it's flip this <laughs> I could be wrong I think it's that are, are similar yeah. but he's he's on um he's on Facebook and Instagram so he's easy to find uh, Bill Ransom wants to know, and I think this kind of where I was going with this earlier is: Have you considered buying them and then over owner financing rather yeah. than straight wholesaling? Oh yeah, for sure. So we definitely, you know, I did. I recently did one, but definitely want to start doing more of those. Yeah. Got it. And then Robbins wants to know: um, Are you planning on buying a holding for legacy for the kids? Not buying and holding as rental for not not individual because I don't want to deal with that headache. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. So I don't want to buy individual mobile home and hold them as rental owner financing. I don't mind doing that all day, but I'm not trying to have that mobile home maintenance call all the time. Nope, yeah. I'm not trying to deal with that. But no, but maybe mobile home park eventually. Yes, you know something on a large or larger scale. Yeah. Yeah. Someone did correct us. It is flipthisrealestatelist.com. It is okay. Thank right. you. So. Uh, Daniel Moore wants to know, how do you deal with trailers that need to be moved but may be too risky? So I haven't had to do that personally. Now, I have buyers who buy for me. They buy it sometimes. They figure they want to move the trailer, you know, elsewhere or whatever they do. Like right now, we've just been keeping it simple. You buying it as is, and then whatever they do is whatever they do. Yeah. So we haven't, we haven't even got involved in that. Yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. the direction we would go as well. Yeah. Uh, so... Pace wants to know when he come on the show. Pace, we'll, we'll have to talk offline about that. Um, and then uh, Monica <laughs> wants to know, how much do you pay for boots on the ground? So $90 on average. You know, it's been, you know, between 80 and 90 but on average it's $90. Now, if we need them to put, like, a lockbox um, on there, they go and buy the lockbox. You know, they don't, you know, we don't pay them any extra to put it on. We just reimburse them for whatever it costs. Mm -hmm. Now, if we need them to, if we need them to, like, change locks, that cost typically will range from ten to forty dollars to change a lock, plus the cost of the actual lock will just That's any it. purchase. Yeah, forty dollars or less to change a lock. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. I can't get that. Yeah. I need to talk to our vendors. <laughs> All right. Cool. So, um, what do you foresee? I mean, we kind of talked about for for twenty twenty one. I mean, any anything else you see big time for twenty twenty one? I mean, honestly, I, I don't know as far as like, you know, you know, I'm curious to see where this this country really is going to go with the COVID situation. Some mm -hmm. places shutting down, some urban. I, I, I don't You're know. You're in Florida. I'm in yeah. Arizona. It's like it doesn't exist. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I was in the. I was there in Tampa, right, mm -hmm. last week, and there's 200 people in the room. Yeah. And I think two people were wearing a mask, right? <laughs> yeah. And but I and I did come back, and I actually was not allowed to be in the rest of the house, so I was actually quarantined in my daughter's <laughs> room uh, until I had passed two negative tests. So this morning I got the yeah. second negative test, so okay. now I was allowed to hug my babies now you're again. Like, oh, good, yeah. good. That was tough, honestly. It was tough. Yeah. Like when you're on a road, mm -hmm. and you're it's business, right? Yeah. Like, you're focused on business. You're not, you know. It's not that you don't miss the kids, but like you're focused, right. right? But you're home and you can't like play with the kids. Right. That's, that yeah. was tough. Yeah, the, uh, were they banging down and knocking down the door? Oh no, they knew I was in quarantine. Okay. No, I, little Emily, she's three. She finally was able to say quarantine correctly <laughs> by the end of it. Uh, what is your superpower? 
So, you know, and I, I know you were going to ask that question and I was like, okay, what's my superpower? <laughs> you know, I think a part of it is I'm intuitive in the sense of like, I'm able to pick up certain things um, very well. And like, it helps me in my deals. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It helps me. Like, for example, you know, like um, um, Heather, like she was talking to one of our sellers, right? And the seller, he, you know, she was like she seemed she was a bit a bit flustered. You know what I mean? She was a bit flustered. And then when Heather called her, Heather asked her, you know, can she put a lockbox on the property for us? And she was like, How am I gonna pay for that? I ain't got no money for that, right? And then I said, Hmm. So I just, it just kind of gave me a sense of you know like because she called me you know she gave me the run then I was like okay so I felt in that moment like really like in my spirit really I was like you know what call her back I said I bet she needs some money I said I said call her back find out what's going on with her and then like I'm like something told me in my spirit that I think this lady needs some help and if she does we'll send her some help so Heather called her back when she called her back. You know where she was at? She's she was literally on the line, like one of those like shelter line waiting for food with her kids. I was like, Whoa, Heather was like, How the hell did you know that? I was like, I don't know. My spirit just like told me something was off about just mm -hmm. that conversation. And I'm and I wasn't even the one talking to her, right? I wasn't the one talking to her. It was Heather when she's like tell me it was just something just happened. And I was like, something is not right. And then so yeah, so we sent her seven hundred and fifty dollars. You know, I was like, you know, just go get some food for your kids. Yeah, you know what intuition. I mean? Yeah, so so I have that thing about me that just picks up on things. And then I guess one of the things is like, you know, any scenario, right? Any scenario, I'm able to dissect it in a way where it's like, okay, so I can say, okay, you, you give me a scenario. And I said, okay, this is a possibility of what could happen. Like I give you all the different scenarios. All right, now this is how you can react to this one or, or respond to that one, respond to this one. Now choose one. You know what I'm saying? But what's this this is you're gonna get one of those results, one of those answers. Yeah, well so that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Uh, given our conversations, um mm -hmm. uh stick to it in this, right? Mm -hmm. You're gonna solve the problem. Yeah. That's definitely uh your superpower. Yeah. All right, so uh we're gonna wrap this up. I want you to think about just uh something you wanna leave the listeners with while I make it just couple of really quick announcements guys uh if you guys enjoyed today's show please like subscribe share comment tag some friends um you know it helps us grow our reach uh the more you guys tell youtube and facebook that you like this the more other people will see it uh we've got no show next week um so we're taking the rest of your off we'll probably be doing something you know we got our new studio it's all wrapped up so we're probably gonna do something fun with it but right now there's nothing scheduled for the rest of the year um so uh, for you, uh, someone wants to get a hold of you. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so I am for Instagram is at I am Cindy Cesare, right? And then um, also to um, mobilehomesflip.com. You can find me on there. We're going to be coming out with the course, as I you know, mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I'm on Facebook. You know, just Google my name. I'm on Facebook. And um, also to my website is my personal website is um, IamSandyCesare.com. There it is. Yeah. What, what, what message do you want to leave the listeners with? Um, you know, I think one of the biggest thing is, you know, for the year that we've had, you know, life is unpredictable, right? Life is unpredictable. So you this just, year, that's more accurate oh this my, year than any other year. Man, tell me about it. Like, you just, you know, never know. And, you know, like some of us did okay, 
but you know there this thing disrupted a lot of lives you know what i mean leaving a lot of people just you know like struggling or losing family members or just you know just a lot of changes so you know i think that going into 2021 whatever um whatever situation that you've been in like especially you know especially if it's not just been a good year for you just you just kind of have to remember to just you know get yourself back together you know let go of anything that it's not working for you you know if it's anger if you know it's like how is that working out for you is it making things better it's not then let it go you know some you know some of y'all gotta let go of people you know some people that might be the bad apple in your life let it go like you're getting a new year you want to start fresh so whatever the situation is that ain't helping you that's not working out for you let it go and then start the new year fresh you know what i mean get your mind back get yourself back together you know this too shall pass mm -hmm. you know what i mean there's there's tomorrow so you want to start with a good spirit because you know tomorrow is not promise tomorrow is not promise you know what i mean if if you want things to change no there nobody ain't gonna change that for you so you need to make sure that change happen for yourself you know it's like somebody said you know you need to be an agent of change not a victim of change yeah. so basically the change that has to happen for you and in your life whether that be people your environment your own mind change that thing man and, and go into 2021 with a fresh start yeah there's nothing wrong with firing people from your life exactly All right yeah so perfect i love it all right thank you thank this you this is a lot of fun yes thank you guys for watching yeah. oh and now you know got my haitian flag going on here yeah, see we real estate disruptors Can't nobody touch us And yeah, we about to give you game Shout out to Steve Train Real estate disruptors They cannot touch us And yeah, we about to give you game Shout out to Steve Train Jump on the steam train. We about to give you game. REI's flowing through my veins. And you don't have to look no further. See right here, you gon' learn everything. Yeah, see we real estate disruptors. 